Welcome to the Warriors Arise podcast, a safe place to talk about unsafe things. Here's your host, Jane Zahasky. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us here on the Warriors Arise podcast. I am your host, Jane Zahasky, and we are continuing our discussion on addictions this week. I have a wonderful guest with us today. Her name is Elise Walker, and Elise is a licensed professional counselor and has over 10 years of experience in areas such as crisis intervention, child welfare, trauma, grief, and the last two years, she has been focused on addiction and dealing with addiction and all the different forms and how it all appears in different ways in, in different people's lives. So welcome, Elise. How thank are you? you. I'm good. Thanks good. For me. Yes. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm so excited. First of all, I on your website, I love the name of your business, The Heart yep. for Change. Thank yes. You. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? So, you know, when I decided to open my private practice in January, yeah. I just, I was like, okay, I've got to come up with a name. Yeah. And I just prayed about it and it was the first thing that came to mind. Oh, and so awesome. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going with it. So heart for change. Change just in itself, no matter what kind of change in our lives can be hard, can be overwhelming. And I like how you tied in is the heart for change, because that's really where change needs to happen, where it mm-hmm. needs to begin. Otherwise, it's not really lasting change. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just really found that just to be enjoyable. Like, I'm like, oh, look at that heart for change. It just really spoke to me. So I wanted to make sure our listeners heard that. Also, yeah. on your website, you have like a little tagline or something in your in one of your descriptions or something that says, there is hope for a better tomorrow. Mm, And I think that are just words that we need to be reminded of every now and then, that there is hope, hope for a better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so do you see that in people, people that you work with or people that come to you that they have just lost hope and that sometimes they just need that reminder? Oh, yes, every day. I mean, you know, people come in to me, they're broken, they're, you know, they're hurting. They've been through a traumatic experience. They've lost a loved one, addiction, all of those things. And so I just every day strive to be the therapist that my therapist was for me. And that is, you know, that there is hope. There is healing. Mm -hmm. You know, that there is. Don't give up because, man, you can come out on the other side. Absolutely. Yes. And there's always a better tomorrow. I mean, there's always another opportunity, another chance. So that's so good. Good. So we've been talking about addiction. In our earlier podcast, we defined it as like a behavior or even like a habit that has turned into a behavior that helps us avoid feelings or helps us avoid something that's uncomfortable, something we don't want to deal with. And so why is it that we turn to things like that, things that like really have nothing to do with the thing that we're avoiding? (laughs) Why is it that just as humans, we do that? You know, I think, I don't know about other people, but I know Mm -hmm. for myself, I'm very like, I want to, I don't want to feel, I just want to get what I'm going through done with and over with. And so I think, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. I mean, uh, some people come from families of addiction, Mm -hmm. and so that's just what they've always known. But we want that quick fix. That's what Mm -hmm. we're built for. If I can just go drink or get high or I can have sex or I can do all of these things, like then I don't have to feel what I'm feeling. Yeah. And that's, 
you know, okay for some, but at some point that stops working and you have to use more, drink more. And the reality is, is when you're coming down or you're, you know, you're done with whatever it is you're doing, Mm -hmm. that feeling is still there. Right. Yeah. You think you're running away from it, but you're really not. And it actually gets larger. Like Mm -hmm. the issue gets to be bigger. And oh, that's true. And we talked about like, Reaching out for help and going, reaching out for therapy or a counselor or something like that. Sometimes our mind thinks that's because we're weak and it's because we can't do it on our own. I'm not strong enough. So I have to have someone to help. And I just want to make that clear that nobody ever thinks that. I mean, I'm the first one to be like, uh, if somebody's reaching out for counseling or for help, they are so strong in my eyes mm-hmm. because I feel like they realize that they can't do it on their own. And that is such a wonderful truth to understand. And then they're actually doing something about it. And they're like, you know what? I need help. And so asking for help, being in community and reaching out to others, that is a sign of being strong and knowing that tomorrow can be better if I can just get some help. Yes. Yes. I agree. I mean, it does take a strong person to say, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. Not weak at all. Yeah. I wish that whole, that idea would just be erased from people's (laughs) minds because I think that holds people back from actually getting the help that they need because they think it will be a sign of weakness. But addictions kind of do that. They kind of distort our thoughts and our minds. And so we sometimes just don't think clearly. <laughs> right? Yeah, and and I think you're right. I mean, you hit the you know the nail on the head when you said it affects our minds because it yeah. does. Research has shown yeah. that addiction doesn't just it's not just a behavioral thing. Like it's a, a disease. Like it actually yeah. does affect our brains. Wow. There's this video I've watched, and I can't name off the top of my head oh, right yeah. now for some reason. Yeah. But he talks about. He goes through and he shows just how addiction actually, you know, uses like the canyon in Utah. Yeah. And talks about just how it actually does affect our brains and Mm -hmm. how it, you know, causes the ebbs and flows and causes all these different channels. I mean, it actually is an actual brain thing. Wow. You know, maybe that first 10th or 11th drink. Yeah. You know, maybe that is. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the trauma. Right. But after the 19th or 20th, then at some point, you know, it really does start affecting your brain. Wow. That is just amazing how it can just start off as just a behavior, like just like, and it doesn't have to be like alcohol and drugs, but those are just the easiest to refer to. Like, I just need a drink, you know, Mm -hmm. I just need to get the edge off. But then after a week of that every day, and then you're just drinking more and more every time. So, yeah, it actually does change you physically and your brain. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And what we know, too, is it not only changes our brain, but it also affects our dopamine levels, right? So the more that we drink and the more that we use or the more that we have Mm -hmm. sex and the more that we shop, Mm -hmm. all of that affects our dopamine levels. And you just need more and more and more. And so you'll often hear people in addiction say, well, when I'm sober, I'm just not happy or I can't. And it's because when you're using that dopamine level is raised oh. from the normal level. So you're not able to get back to that normal, healthy level. And so you just need more and more oh, and more wow. to feel happy. Yeah, that happy hormone, the dopamine. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that is so crazy. But then I can see like sometimes what happens when you are like you're in an addiction, like your your behavior is becoming an addiction 
And, but yet you start feeling guilty about it. What changes there that you have some thoughts of like, okay, wait, I know I shouldn't do this, but now I can't stop doing this. Mm -hmm. And so how does that all come into play? You know, that's where that shame and guilt comes into play and understanding addiction. And I think helping the addict to understand, I know you want to change, but you have to take the steps to do that because it's, you know, it's not just, Mm -hmm. you can't just go to rehab for 30 days and then come out and expect to be different, to to be, have long-term sobriety. Yeah. Because after you've got to learn those coping skills because, uh-huh. yes, we've got to get it out of your system, but it's a continual continual process right. for years even, you know. Right, because now you have to learn to live life differently because mm-hmm. that whole coping mechanism has now been taken away. Yeah, and you're uh-huh. discovering who you are sober, you know. Well, yeah. We recommend that people don't have any re- intimate relationships for first, their first year into recovery yeah. because you are changing yeah. and you're trying uh-huh. to figure out who you are sober and so you've got to be careful because you may be sober off of alcohol or drugs but you know you may find another addiction in in relationships or other things and so yeah and i have seen that too where they someone becomes an addict in whatever it is just shopping even but then they stop that, you know, they stop that behavior. But then next thing you know, they're gambling all the time or just something else. And all they've done is replaced Mm -hmm. that addiction. And so that's kind of where it comes to the heart. Like your heart didn't really change, just your behavior changed. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so we want to definitely address the heart because that's where the issue really is. Yeah, it's that underlying issue. What is that underlying issue, that trauma or whatever it is that is the root cause? Because if we don't address that, then, you know. Yeah. And those can look different. I mean, Mm -hmm. for a a lot of different people, it can be something completely different. I know like childhood trauma, you kind of mentioned trauma in your childhood or even something in your adult life. Like they can look completely different, but yet they can both turn to even the same addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So since you brought up childhood trauma, I actually yeah. want to talk about, I have my clients. So there's something called the ACE study. It's the adverse childhood experiences. And so that's something that I have all of my clients do mm. when they fill out an intake form. It's just oh, one of my yeah. intakes, even yeah. if they're kids, because I just want to see what's going on. Yeah. So the ACE study was done by Kaiser Permanente from 1995 to 1997. Mm-hmm. And so what they were looking at was just different childhood things going on. And so we rate it on a scale of zero to 10. So the more ACEs you have, the higher your score is to 10. Okay. And, and these are like just questions on a mm-hmm. form. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, some of the, we look at physical abuse. So mm-hmm. the, the form says before the age of 18, mm. Okay. where you or anyone in your home victim of. And so we talk about physical abuse, childhood neglect, sexual abuse. Mm. We talk about addiction. Was anybody in your family in a, you know, an addiction? Was any nearby family, anyone 18 or older in your household ever go to prison or, you know, jail, mental health issues, suicide, all of those things. Those are all things we ask. And the reason we ask is because what the ACE study helps us to understand is that childhood trauma yeah. Affects us even later on into our adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the cool things, and I always like to share this with my clients, is that for each ace that you have, so if you yeah. have 
an ace of one, your mm-hmm. chances of alcohol or drug addiction or any addiction mm-hmm. is even higher than maybe somebody that doesn't have an ACE score. Oh, and yeah. Wow. So that ACE score is like a yes to one of those questions. Mm-hmm. Wow. And yep. that just put you, puts you at more of a risk. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So what they say is that people with an ACE score are two to four times more likely to start using drugs or alcohol at an early age compared mm-hmm. to those without an ACE score. Mm-hmm. People with an ACE score of five or higher are up to 10 times more wow. likely to experience addiction compared with people who haven't experienced childhood trauma. Wow. But not only does it talk about addiction, yeah, the thing about the ACE score that kind of just working in rehabs and with yeah. clients kind of helped them see is that it not only affects us like mm-hmm. with addiction, but it can also affect health-wise. Oh, sure. Heart disease. If you have an ACE, the more ACEs you have, the mm-hmm. more likelihood you are to have heart disease, mm-hmm. cancer, mm-hmm. Not, you know, depression, wow. lung disease, strokes, diabetes, yeah. I mean, all of those things. So childhood trauma really does affect yeah, us it does. beyond what we think. Yeah. And that kind of sheds light on the whole, like, your emotional and your spiritual and your physical bodies, that connection between all of them. Mm -hmm. If you're not dealing with something in a healthy way emotionally, it's going to affect you physically. Mm -hmm. Wow. Gosh, that is so eye-opening. And I I just love that they've kind of put that together and that you can use it as a form that, you know, you can just easily address it and then shed some light on that. Mm -hmm. Does that really surprise some of your clients? Like when you, you make that correlation of we see this now in your childhood, and that kind of can help explain what you're dealing with. Do people just think, oh, wow, okay, I never realized that? Yeah, they they do. I I love, I call them their aha moments. Yeah. That's what I tell them. It's your yeah. aha moment, you know, because I will always say, like, how do you think, was that what your relationship like was with your dad? Or, you know, yeah. tell me more about that. And so I really try to dig into that, especially with, you know, mm-hmm. somebody with addiction. I've worked with a client I could think of off the top of my head who just never, she's like, I just kept getting sober, kept getting sober, and I couldn't figure out why I kept relapsing. Yeah. And so once we were able to do that ACE and we were able to address those underlying issues, she has had long-term sobriety. She's had two plus years of of sobriety now. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's not... It's not treating the symptoms, it's treating mm-hmm. that, root cause, that root cause, and that's what it takes. Oh, that's good. Addictions, so we've talked about how they can affect the person, the person dealing with the addiction physically and with their brain and all of that, but addictions can kind of have that ripple effect into other people, like your own children, your spouse, your parents, and then even further out, like your friends kind of your social circle, and then even in your workplace. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, you're right. It does affect not just us, but other people. And I think sometimes, you know, we think about our addictions. You know, if I'm shopping, it's not really affecting my family. You know, I'm getting new shoes, you know. And I think you talked about that in in your last, in the podcast. But the reality is, is if I have a shopping addiction and I'm spending money, yeah. It is affecting my family financially, Uh you know, spiritually, all of those things, you know, because maybe I'm starting to lie to my husband and Mm -hmm. hide things. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not present with my kids because my mind is focused on other things, you know, so it really, you know, and then, of course, we've got the shame and the guilt involved with that, too. And if 
there obviously is an underlying issue. And so that can be something with a family member or even at a workplace or something like that, that that's not being resolved because you're just trying to cope with it with an addiction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, that can just snowball into a lot of hurt for a lot of people, actually. Oh, that's very interesting. And I think the addiction idea of replacing something we want to avoid with something that we enjoy, really, right? And then it gets out of control. What are those addictions that you see that maybe you identify them as an addiction and the person didn't even realize that they were dealing with that? Have you come across those incidents? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And when we're talking about addictions, kind of like you said, the addiction goes beyond. I think we get the idea that addiction is just alcohol and drugs right. or porn or other things, you yeah. know, but addiction can be the addiction of relationships, codependency. I mean, it can yeah. be gambling. I mean, that's one we all know, sure. um, but it can also be just that addiction of being perfect and uh-huh. having to have this like perfect image and being in control. And I, I have a client that I've actually been working with, but yeah. that was what I call, again, her aha moment when I said, do you feel like you're addicted to being perfect? And she yeah. was like, oh, my gosh, oh, I've never thought no. about that. And so since yeah. she's identified that, we have been able to make tremendous progress in addressing that. Wow. And so is that when you just start asking questions like, when did you feel like this started and things like that? I mean, mm-hmm. how do you how do you go from that aha moment? Then what? Well, for her in particular, it goes back to yeah. her childhood yes. and that childhood trauma and things she oh, experienced wow. and never feeling like she was good enough. Uh-huh. And, you know, and so maybe she wasn't using alcohol or drugs, but, you know, she was trying to yeah. work to herself to death and do all of those things right. because that's what she needed mm-hmm. when she was a child. And so we try to address that child and what does that child need? Yeah. How can we help that child? Yeah. And kind of that child still lives within us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. So what, what are all, like, you've mentioned some, like even the, the addiction of having control or being perfect. What are some other things that we may overlook as an addiction that maybe if we open our eyes to just in our everyday life, we can be like, okay, so what really am I avoiding or what really is that? Can you share mm. some others that, that maybe we are really dealing with and we don't even know it? Like that shopping one for me, like I had no idea until I, heard that whole shopping can be an addiction. And I'm like, what? Okay, mm-hmm. wait, that might be me. Yeah. It just, I, I had no idea. Yeah. No idea. Because, you know, like you said, we usually just think alcohol and drugs. Those are kind of those top two that you think of. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. the addiction to our phones, social media, oh, you know, yes. not feel like we're missing something or, you know. Oh, right. Because, you That's know, a big one. it is. And maybe we're trying to avoid having that conversation with our spouse that we have to have. And so we're on our phone right. watching Looking TikTok busy. or, you know, and I find myself getting involved in that. We're all spent hours just watching TikTok and I'm like, yeah. what am I avoiding? Yes. I just need to do this, you know. Oh, but, that's good. Just ask yourself, what yeah. am I avoiding? Because mm-hmm. none of us are prone right. to addiction. Yeah. Yeah. We all can easily just slip into one really by accident. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how does, like, we talked about child trauma, and I think, so I personally do not have children. I didn't raise children, but I see, I can look into families and see, like, some parents are just trying really, really hard, and yet 
their child experiences trauma, which then you can see that behavior going into some kind of addiction, you know, like when you just can watch a family from afar. But then there's, well, what can that family do? Like, can you kind of speak into like the family dynamic? How can a family like intentionally stay healthy? Yeah. So in that situation, what I would recommend, and I recommend this to all my families, if I have a family come to me that says, hey, my kid has been doing A, B, or A, B, C, I am always involving that family in treatment, family Uh, therapy, doing things together. If the parents are having Mm -hmm. things that they're dealing with, I will also recommend that they also do individual therapy on top of the family. Because we've got to attack it. The the thing about addiction or anything is it's not just that one person. It's got to be, we've got to address the whole unit because if the whole unit is not healthy, then we're just sending them home to a situation that isn't going to be healthy and they're going to be prone to relapse or whatever that is. So, Mm -hmm. because we've got, we've got to get them all healthy in their own ways. Yeah. And kind of open all their eyes to what really is going Mm -hmm. on in that situation. So what happens if you're dealing with something individually and it is could, and maybe it is, you don't even know it, affecting your marriage, but you don't want to address it because, of course, you want to avoid it, right? And so, like, how how can you get over I That's probably the shame and guilt thing again, that that holds people back from actually getting help. Like, and or maybe, like, someone would come to you and say, okay, I know this is my issue. I just want to deal with it, even though they may have a family at home. What can you say to them? Or how how do you deal with that, that even though there's hesitation to involve the family, they know that that's what really what they need to do. You know, I would just encourage them and work, continue to work with them, yeah. you know, and, and addressing those fears yeah. and what it is about yeah. those fears. Because I think it probably goes deeper than just, exactly. I don't want to tell my husband I have a shopping addiction. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. it goes deeper than that. Where's that? What's that root cause? Why is right. that? What is that? Where did that thought come from? Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you said the fear of, because fear is kind of the root of, I mean, most everything. And yeah, because we're trying to avoid fear. We're trying to just the fear of not being perfect, the fear of, you know, what other people will think, the fear of this. And all of that holds us back from so much and from the full life that God has intended for us. Mm -hmm. And so I just love the whole idea of providing counseling and therapy for people that can you can just come and get through some of that, work through it. And you've probably seen where once someone just says it out loud, that they're already stepping into freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, does that surprise some people too? Have you worked with people where you're like, you just did all of that yourself? <laughs> like you just sit yeah. back and kind of watch it happen. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like that's yeah. the whole goal of yeah. why I do what I do. You know, I want to see that that hope and you see the yeah. change just in how they are and how they come to even sessions weeks later. Oh, I bet that's so wonderful because you can probably just literally see weight just coming off of them each week, like the weight on their shoulders or the like they're carrying in baggage in the beginning and then Mm -hmm. they're standing upright when they're coming back in. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Any other uh, words, maybe words of advice or maybe someone that now has kind of realized, gosh, maybe I am struggling with something that I'm avoiding, but I now I don't know what it is. What do you suggest or what is some advice that you can give them? Like, what's their next step? What can they, what can they do to take a step into realizing, yeah, this is an addiction or just identifying it and becoming more aware? 
I mean, you said it, you have to admit you have a problem and be honest with yourself, but reach out for help. Yeah. Psychology Today is a great resource. You can look up local therapists in your area. I mean, Oklahoma City in itself has a ton of resources, Mm -hmm. you know, not being afraid to say I need help because like you said, it takes a strong person to say like, I have a problem and I, it's further we, I call it taking your power back, you know, mm, not giving that good. the power, taking yeah. your power back over that addiction or the whatever that is. Oh, that's good. I like that. Taking your power back. And that's kind of we talk about invisible prisons and an addiction can definitely create those prison walls around us. And it can start isolating, especially if we kind of start hiding our addiction because we don't want anyone to know. And that can definitely we want to take back our power. We want to break free and get out of that prison, that invisible prison that we create. Mm -hmm. So, so good. Anything else? Any final words that you would like to share? (laughs) No, I think, I mean, there is hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. And I just believe someone just needed to hear that today. Like there is hope and each day can get brighter and brighter. So especially if they're just in a dark season, which we all experience that. I mean, each one of us, we experience just some hard seasons and And it can feel a little dark. And if we can just have someone that we can reach out to and talk with and just sometimes putting actual words to your feelings, that can bring freedom right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes. So, Elise, how can someone contact you if they're like, I want to talk to her? (laughs) So I have a website. Yeah. uh, Heart for Change LLC. Mm -hmm. You can just Google that. But I also am on Facebook, Heart for Change LLC. Yeah. But I'm also, they can call me directly on on my work number, and that's Mm -hmm. 405-513-1862. Awesome. And we'll have all your contact information in our show notes for today. And so I just appreciate you being willing to um, just help all our listeners and and just speaking life into them today. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. I also want to remind everyone, May 20th is coming up and we have our live Q&A with our co-founders, Susie Hansen and Stephanie Reed. It's going to be so fun. But to join us, you have to email us. So you have to do a little something on your part. Email us at info at warriorsariseministry.org. And we will return that email to you with a link for our Zoom call that night. Again, it's May 20th. It's a Thursday night. And I believe it's at, yes, 7 p.m. And so we are so looking forward to um, seeing you face to face. That's going to be so fun. Don't forget to stay connected with us. We're on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And today's episode may just have brought someone's name, um, maybe a friend, to your mind. So I encourage you to share this with them today and um, just share this light that Elise has shared with us today. And it can change somebody's life. So thank you so much for being with us, friends. And remember, it's time to rise up, warrior, and step into your freedom. Warriors Arise exists to educate and empower women to break free from the labels of their past in order to find hope, passion, and purpose. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Remember, this is a safe place to talk about unsafe things.